It's time for What's Up with Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern. Morena, Prime Minister, how are you this morning? Morena, not too bad, thank you. Now, we've seen some big changes this week. We've got some dates for the traffic light system uh, coming into effect now, and this is going to mean a lot for a lot of our listeners, particularly people involved in the music uh, and events industries. Uh, we have seen some strong announcements from the government about uh, financially supporting big festivals yep. if they need to be yep. cancelled because of COVID. We have yep. still got a lot of uncertainty around what these are going to look like, particularly for um, smaller venues and smaller uh, gig uh, organisations as well. What's the traffic light system going to mean for people running these uh, smaller event spaces, arts and, and cultural uh, platforms at the moment? And that has been a big part of our thinking in designing the new traffic light system. So basically what we're trying to do is make sure that we give as much certainty as we can going forward. Uh, and so what's different between the way we've been operating now is that at every single level, uh, hospitality venues are able to stay open. Uh, the change that people will see will be uh, just around if we are in uh, a situation where we have an outbreak that we need to manage that is potentially threatening our health system, uh, then you're more likely to see just gathering limits used there. So look, for Auckland, we've already said because we've got the outbreak there and we need to transition carefully, uh, Auckland from the 3rd of December goes straight into red. That means hospitality venues open. You can have up to 100 people in each um, separate um, part of a venue uh, and seated and separated. So basically those level two rules that everyone's used to, except we'll be using vaccine passes. That's the way we use that extra layer of protection we have now to be able to open safely. Um, at Orange though, you use those vaccine passes and there's no limits. So that's a place that I think we're all make, working really hard to get towards because once you're in those levels, then much, much easier to operate um, gigs and events and so on. Do we yet have details about what it's going to take or what it's going to look like to shift between red and orange for people who are trying to organise or plan around these things? What can they be looking out for? We've already given um, the most important factors, and that will be vaccination levels and outbreaks, uh, and that's all pretty publicly um, known and available. It is. We are in a transition phase, sorry, and that, that does make some of the calculation for us a bit different uh, because actually Auckland's vaccine levels are really high, but because we have an outbreak there that we're trying to ease restrictions whilst keep those case numbers low, we are stepping through carefully. So we'll start at red. What we will announce on the 29th of November is how frequently we'll be reviewing the status uh, of each area of the country and, uh, uh, and assessing whether or not they can move. But Auckland's doing everything right at this stage. It's just a matter of just how that outbreak is going to respond to the easing of restrictions. Are we, can we expect to see any more targeted support for the arts sector moving forward? Is that something that we're going to see perhaps in, in the sense that we've had wage subsidies and things so far? Are we going to see a more targeted package for arts moving into this next phase? Yeah, so, and what we are asking, you know, as much as possible, we've got, as you've pointed out, we have put a package in place for those larger scale events through this transition period because that is where the most uncertainty sits. Um, and that takes us really through summer. Um, but otherwise, we are, because the new framework actually allows you to operate at every level, it won't be the same as some of the support packages we've had in the past. Um, but we do know that the event sector, it is that is where it's going to be, uh, particularly the large-scale event sector, that's where it is going to be a bit more 
a, a bit more difficult. So those those are conversations that we're still having, but it's not the case that you'll have some of those broad general supports like the wage subsidy as we've had in the past. We have had some direct concern from some of our listeners who work in this space about what it's going to mean for when we are sitting at red. Uh, it's, it's basically just going to be covering costs for some of these gig venues, for example, to keep their doors open at the moment. Is there going to be any thought to targeting and supporting that particular space where it doesn't fit in the big uh, events category and it's not quite quite in the sort of hospitality and yeah. food sector. What 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 is going on there? Yeah, and of course, our hope is not to be there for prolonged periods of time. You know, that's what we're all working towards. But actually, keep in mind that this is similar to, you know, what everyone's used to with Level 2. That's basically the operating environment at Red, and that is as harsh as it gets in this new system. So, uh, as I say, the aspiration is to get into those higher levels. If we manage the outbreaks well, which this is all designed around, if we have high vaccine levels, um, then that enables us to get into a space where you don't then have those gathering limits. As I say, we are still doing a little bit of thinking about whether or not any of those further supports are, you know, if required and how they might operate. But as a general rule, because everything is able to open and operate for most, uh, it won't be quite the same as the support packages we've had in the past. Well, talking a bit more about vaccination rates, obviously we're going to be able to leave the city on the 15th of December, which is going to be a big thing for people who need to reunite with family or friends that they haven't seen for a long time. Uh, looking forward to summer, though, would you be encouraging people to think cautiously before travelling to low vaccinated areas, even if they themselves are vaccinated? Well, no, actually, we've put in place uh, protection mechanisms that means that we're not relying on people having to make those calls. I don't, you know, if we have concerns, we need to address them rather than just assume that people um, uh, themselves will police that. So, for instance, um, firstly, we know, obviously know that the outbreak's um, predominantly been in Tamaki Makoto. So we're asking everyone who's leaving there uh, to be double vaccinated or to have had a test pre-departure and of course there will be enforcement around that and, and fines if people don't follow um, those rules. Then for the areas that they might be moving into, uh, if they are low vaccination areas, then they will be read on our framework. And that basically means that unvaccinated people will not be able to go to those high risk areas with gatherings, hospitality venues um, and so on. So that's, an other, uh, that's the extra way that we can also try and make sure that we've got protections in place for areas that may have low vaccination. And keep in mind that actually Tamaki Makoto, uh, those who, are, who, who may be moving around, we actually have some of the highest vaccination rates in the country for those individuals. So that um, also uh, assists. But now, you know, if looking up and down the country, it's not just Auckland, you know, Waikato, um, Mid-Central, Capital and Coast, um, the Wairarapa, Nelson, Marlborough, Canterbury, Southern, all have hit 90% first doses. Uh, and everyone else is, is in the, you know, in the mid-80s and above. So we just need to keep, keep going. We have seen some big criticism today, particularly of the rushing through of the vaccination mandates, uh, not necessarily taking the Bill of Rights into consideration enough. Are you confident that these new laws will be practically enforceable and will protect small businesses and small schools who might need to lay off staff who aren't vaccinated, for example? So two things there that are actually quite separate. So the vaccine mandates that we've already announced uh, obviously we went through quite a process before announcing them. And relative to other countries, we have not used vaccine mandates broadly. Uh, so you will have seen us apply them to health, 
because our view is that we have to make sure that healthcare workers who are working with vulnerable people don't pose a risk to those vulnerable people. And you can see how widely that's been accepted by the very high take up by our, our health workforce. Um, the other group, of course, have been border workers because early on with our elimination strategy, though, they were the most likely to actually come into contact with COVID. So a real health and safety concern there for those workers. Um, next has been um, education, and everyone's well aware that we actually just largest group of New Zealanders who can't be vaccinated are kids. So it was about keeping them safe. And then the final group is actually, if we're at, we have venues that are using vaccine certificates um, or vaccine passes for, for people to be able to enter, like hospitality, it just makes sense that the workers are vaccinated as well. What we released yesterday was just an extra toolkit for uh, employers who might not fall in those mandates but believe that they are you know, potentially a, a risky environment. Uh, it's an assessment tool uh, and it allows someone who might not have a big HR department just to use a tool to be able to assess whether or not they can fairly apply a vaccine mandate. Uh, no one is required to use it. They can undertake their own health and safety assessment, but it is based on public health guidance, that tool. Now, in non-COVID news, another big thing that's been happening uh, at the moment is COP26. It's, it's done and dusted now, but uh, actually there is still time for people to submit, I think until midnight tonight, on the consultation on the government's uh, emission reduction plan. Uh, we, we have seen a lot of criticism that it's not addressing agricultural emissions enough, uh, particularly when it comes to methane. That has been something that was, I think, a surprise, uh, big focus of COP26 this year. Is your government ever going to consider imposing stronger regulations on the agriculture sector? Oh, so I'm I'm going to push back on on statements that claim that we're not doing enough on methane when we're the only country in the world that is committed to pricing agricultural emissions in our system. The only one. Uh, we have uh, a world leading agreement that's uh, between government and the primary production sector to do that. Uh, what we're spending time on at the moment is designing how that will work in a way that doesn't just price but actually incentivizes reduction because we want those emissions to come down. We've also invested a significant amount in, the re in research and initiatives that will also help support a reduction in agricultural um, emissions. You know, our view is that because we're one of the countries where uh, some of the highest proportion of our emissions come from food production, that by developing um, new technologies, by developing also new ways of operating, even just farm practice, that helps reduce agricultural emissions, then that can, uh, that essentially will help the world. Uh, and we want to be part of those solutions. Um, but as I say, we are doing things that no one else in the world is doing, and, and as we well should. We we are, you know, in the high sort of quartile for, for those particular types of uh, emissions from a country uh, in the OECD, and I, we are seeing a lot of concern that it's just not happening fast enough. What What would you say to that? Well, and again, here I would say that no one is making those kind of decisions that we are making now, and in part it's because as uh, if you look at our overall emissions profile, yes, the, the highest proportion is coming from that sector, and that's because some of the low-hanging fruit that you're seeing, for instance, plucked from the EU uh, is not an option for us because we, for instance, already 
have 80% plus of our electricity is generated through renewables. Um, and so some of the things that are, are actually causing those quick reductions in other countries aren't an option for us. So we do need to make sure that we are picking up the pace in other areas. We know that we need to move quickly and do more quickly, which is why we have lifted considerably before COP26 our nationally determined contribution to 50%. And we know that we have to move on a steep curve. We've had decades where uh, work hasn't been done, but we are making the most rapid progress of any government on this issue because climate change necessitates that we do. Well, thank you so much for your time this morning, Prime Minister. It's great to be able to speak to you. Uh, have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks very much. Ka kite. That was What's Up with Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern.